uh, float in and out of here once or twice a year. And when I floated in and out in 2013, you announced that you were changing your name to Antioch. And my statement of encouragement was, welcome to the NFL. <laughs> because if you really are wanting and aspiring, and it's a good thing that you are, to be an Antioch church, which was one of the great churches in history, then you've got to pay the price to grow into those shoes. I am aware that uh, you've gone through your changes, your challenges. I'm aware some people have wondered what was going on and where is all this going. And uh, I want to address that a little bit before we actually ordain and set apart the elders and their wives. The church is a wonderful and strange critter. Can I get a witness? <laughs> of all the organizations on the planet, sometimes the church is the last to know how to function. When I look at corporations, when I look at the military, when I look at multiple organizations, they are frequently vastly superior to us in terms of achieving identifying specific goals and everybody knowing what their role is and what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, can you hear me saying that without thinking that I'm offending Jesus? Uh, Jesus, one of the things I love about Jesus is he tells it like it is. And when he said, the children of this world are wiser than my children, I said, this guy I'm going to follow because he's telling the truth. Um, we somehow act frequently uh, because this is spiritual, quote unquote, that the laws of building organizations are suspended when you come to the church. My brother, you, you look like you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, how many of you work, work in corporations that are well organized? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay. And Jesus is not offended, trust me. So what we want to do is we want to raise the level of play so that we grow into that Antioch church and we need to be very, very clear how that process looks and what it's going to take. Now, in some ways, the military model is helpful in the sense that when you go into any branch of the military, you go through basic training. And basic training is attempting to do a number of things, not the least of which is to help you fit into a context of community and help you understand what a soldier is. You get exposed to what a soldier is. Some basic training is eight weeks, some is 12 weeks, but 
it is try, attempting to get into you the rules of the game and what the, what the object of being a soldier is. And then when you've achieved that, then you get a specialized assignment. But anybody in the military is expected to stay very close in terms of their mental reality to what that basic training was designed to put into you. Now, I believe that's a model that we could look at very seriously when we're talking about building churches. What is the nature of the game? And I think it's really clear what the nature of the game is. Christ has called us to let him reproduce his life in us. It's really that simple. Now, we Christians, we make it complicated. We're easily confused. Uh, we get a little bit of knowledge about theology, and a little bit of Greek, a little bit of Hebrew, and we begin to make it much more complicated than it really is. Jesus wants to reproduce his, his life in us. Salvation is not about going to heaven. Amen? Amen. Salvation is not about going anywhere. Salvation is about the process of God reproducing his life in you. Is that clear? Yes. That should be so obvious. I told Jade, as we talk today, I hope nobody will come to Jade for quite a while and say, what is the purpose of the church and where are you guys going? I just gave you the purpose of the church and where we're going and what part of that don't you understand? Now, there are numbers of ways that the Holy Spirit uses to implement the reproduction of his life in us. But that's the nature of the game. If we're in basic training and you never outgrow your need for basics, all masters in any field are connected to the basics of that discipline. Put another way, God has called us to be disciples. The, the 12 apostles were called the disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined learner. That's really, really simple. Our goal is to produce as many disciplined learners as we can produce. Now, ultimately, every one of you 
makes a choice at what level you want to play the game. And I, d I really do understand that when we lose our bearings or we hit the tough things in life, uh, sometimes we wonder, am I even saved? How will I get through the day? How will I get through the week? Death, betrayal, loss of jobs, all the stuff that happens in life are things that can derail us and make us confused about where is my Christianity in the midst of this challenging situation. Can I get a witness? I, I believe the church should be a truth zone, and that means we tell the truth in church. If we can't tell the truth here, then we can't tell the truth anywhere. Okay? There are days when we are flying high in the Lord, and there are days when we are scraping low in the Lord. But the point is that we are very clear that wherever we are in that process, we know what the name of the game is. And that is God wants more of himself in me. And being a disciple means I am working with the Holy Spirit. I am opening myself up in new ways consistently so that Christ can have more of my mind, more control of my emotions, more control of my tongue, more control of me in every way. And that is the purpose of this church. That is our basic training. And everybody in here that is a member or wants to be a member of this church, that should be self-evident. That is what we are committed to be together. Now that takes relational skills as well. Because discipleship is not just me getting changed by the Holy Spirit. It's me getting changed by the Holy Spirit working through other people. Now, all of us enjoy those wonderful sessions where the Holy Spirit deals with us directly. All of us don't enjoy the Holy Spirit dealing with us through people. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Okay. So this process that we're describing requires relational skill sets. How many of you think we need some relational skill sets in the church? Okay where we actually agree as a congregation because we're all going the same direction. Now, here's a revolution. We're all going the same direction. What part of that don't you get? We're all going the same direction. 
which is to grow together in Christ. Which means that I, I live in a triangle, an eternal triangle, that between you and me is God. And that while I'm talking to you, I'm also speaking before him. So in our relationship, the Lord is always there. And to build community, which is where we want to go, or is it just you and Jesus? How many of you know that salvation is a team sport? It's a team sport. We agree that God is going to be the intermediary in our relationships and that we're going to help each other grow. And we're not going to be defensive. We're going to be as open as we can be in our relationships because we want to be his disciples. Now I'm going to say something that will challenge you. Cut me some slack here. Christians have never changed the world. The only people that change the world are disciples. Now the, the world understands that better than we do. How many of you know the world seemingly understands some things better than we do? Now the disciples of Karl Marx, they changed the world. They got marks in them deep enough that they were willing to die for him and spend their whole life trying to achieve the revolution. The disciples of Freud changed the world. The disciples of whoever. Disciples have got enough in them that they become viral. And you don't change anything unless there's a degree of viralness, which means Jesus is in you deep enough that you're contagious. Contagious. We want Jesus in us deep enough in this church that we're producing fruit and glorifying our Heavenly Father in the process. Which means our Christianity is not coming to church. That's not the measurement of our Christianity. The measurement of our Christianity is on a daily basis, as in how much of the Holy Spirit is guiding my thought process and my actions all day long. We need an army of Christians like that. Those are disciples. I have a teaching I do called How Long Can You Stay Under the Water? The normal 
life for us as fallen human beings is to live in our flesh and to live in ourself. But when we really become serious disciples, the issue is how long in the day can I stay underwater before I have to come up for a gulp of the flesh? Once you understand that, you measure your life very differently. Once you understand that, before you go to sleep at night, you review your day with the Lord, where you were with him and where you missed him, where you engaged people that you should have engaged, where you didn't engage people you should have engaged. So, I mean, we just had knockout worship here. I love the worship. We got somewhere in a worship. How is that worship going to affect you later today? We want to measure whatever we're doing when we come together by this question, how is this going to help us live 24-7 Christianity? That's our goal. That's what we want to do. Jesus said, he said, if you abide in my word, you'll become my disciples and you'll know the truth and that'll make you free. How many of you want to be free? Where are you, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, where are you in abiding in the word? When you read the scripture, are you taking it with you to work? When you read the scripture, what are you doing with it? I want to, I want to live in scripture. I want to be as Peter was when he quoted from Joel, this is that. I want to be able, you know, a lot of people like to talk about prophecy and all that, and I love prophecy. But I want to be able to connect the word of God to specific current moments because that is abiding in the word. That is where I'm taking the scripture that I'm taking into my spirit and I'm applying the scripture to very specific situations because I'm a disciple. Disciples live in the word. Now, our core vision as soldiers is to be disciples. Don't ask where we're going. That's where we're going. That's what Jesus commanded us. He told us to go and make disciples. And he told us to make disciples of nations, which is a much larger scale of stuff. And there's a lot of activity in the church right now that the Holy Spirit is moving us 
as Christians into challenging nations and how do we begin to disciple them? That's something that is part of who we are as our mission because as disciples, we want to produce disciples. Disciples produce disciples. Okay? Now, that may seem like a really tall order for you today, depending upon where you are in the high stratosphere or you're scraping a little tougher today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out what a disciple is and how a disciple lives, and you may not feel very much like a disciple right now, and that's okay. It's good to know where we are. You can't change unless you know where you are, okay? But we want to help every single one of you that believes God has called you to be a part of this church. We want to help you become and live as a disciple. And in that process, we want to help you discover what your gifts are and what your passion is and help equip you to do what you need to do in order to fulfill and live out that mission. But it's all based on the foundation of living as disciples and carrying out the mission of disciples in multiple ways. Now we're going to ordain government. It's not doing violence to the scripture. To, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, you can lawfully translate that, seek first the government of God. Self-government is the foundation of all freedom. How many of you think the United States of America is pretty lost right now? Because we no longer believe that self-government is the foundation of freedom. And we Christians don't even largely understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament was God was externally trying to change us. And in the New Testament, he is internally trying to change us. That's something you guys need to talk about. The Holy Spirit comes inside of me and is changing me so that I agree with him from the inside, not just agreeing with him from the outside. A new heart, a new spirit, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know those verses. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'm going to change you from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And if you want to change a nation, you have to begin to change people from the inside out, which is another way of saying 
disciples are contagious and they have the spiritual power to impart that kind of transformation to other people. Now, I'm going to get to the elders. Paul commissioned all those in his apostolic team, somewhere between 50 or 60, were working with him to ordain elders, to establish order and government. I know Jade read 1 Timothy 3, qualifications for elders. Titus, I think it'd be good if you guys looked at those scriptures again. But those are the general qualifications for being an elder. Now, we're gonna lay hands on them here in a moment. And we met with not all of them, but some of them last night. And I said, you do understand when we lay hands on you, we're painting a bullseye. Do you know what that means? That means that you and we as a congregation have a new level of responsibility to pray for these elders. Because the enemy is not stupid. He understands the game, smite the shepherd and scatter the flock. Authority brings with it new levels of warfare. So I want to ask you right now, before we do lay hands on them, how many of you are willing to take them into your regular prayer life and pray for them on a regular basis? Let me see your hands. You'll do well to pray for them. It'll have a significant effect on your welfare in this church. So, Jade, can we uh, bring them up? <laughs> 